Welcome back to Season 2, Disruptive AF, your edge of innovation for the United States Air Force and Space Force. 40 seconds till we get started. Couldn't be more excited to be with you here today as we have a guest like none other with us today. I'm telling you, uh, you better get ready. If you're listening on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, wherever this is available to you, make sure you go on over to YouTube, to Morpheus AF, where you can watch the video live with us right here. 20 seconds, get ready, get started if you haven't subscribed you should because you're missing it if you haven't so <laughs> uh, get ready disruptive af your edge of innovation It is that time. Welcome back to Disruptive AF. I tell you, I could not be more excited to be with you. Season two is we're talking innovation in your premier Air Force and Space Force right here. I'm Kinsley Jordan, your host of Disruptive AF, helping you to be able to see the power and the passion behind what innovation is, what it can be. And I'm telling you, as we kick off into season two, there is excitement. Uh, it's, it, I can't even tell you. Excitement's not the word for it. It's more elation. <laughs> There's so much, uh, so much happening in the innovation space of helping airmen, helping guardians unlock their potential, unlock the power that is within the creative power they have, and uh, that's exactly what we do here as Disruptive AF. So if you haven't done it, make sure you subscribe along. If you haven't hit the subscribe button, please do that so you can follow along. Uh, if you also have not uh, made sure that you follow along to last year's season, last year's season of Disruptive AF, you absolutely should. So stay with us. Getting ready right now for Disruptive AF as we welcome our first guest of the season and the most uh, amazing that I've had the chance to interview right here on Disruptive AF. You know, as we start the season, uh, it is it is absolutely amazing to be able to start with one of the champions of innovation with us here uh, for the United States Air Force. You know, uh, the Chief of Staff, Chief Brown, has made very clear the importance and the power of needing to grow, needing to change, needing to think differently. And today we have with us General David Alvin, the Vice Chief of Staff, co-champion of innovation. Sir, welcome to Disruptive AF. We're so glad to have you with us here today. Hey, thanks, Trigger. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. So, sir, to start off, I, I got to ask this question because, you know, three years ago, if I look back at myself where I was uh, as a as a T6 instructor pilot in pilot training, I never thought of myself as an innovator. I, at that time, I didn't. I don't know. It was just something I, I'd never thought of. You know, as leading, as a champion of innovation now, did you always consider yourself an innovator? Did you know what innovation was? Was it a conscious part of your life? It through your career thus far? Well, it's interesting, uh, Trigger, in that um, when you think about sort of the term as an innovator, I, um, I, sort of, I, I sort of want to push back on using that term in general. I understand what you're talking about, yeah. but I never considered myself an innovator as though, you know, required a certain specialty. And, and sometimes when we, we work so hard to define Sometimes we exclude. And what yeah. I mean by that is I think yeah. innovation is something that we're all capable of. As a matter of fact, if you look at the uh, sort of the root word behind that, it goes way back to Latin. It talks about nova. It's really all about creating something new, a new product, a new process. And, and so we all have the capacity to do wow. that. I think for some of us, it's 
it could be naturally easier. We have attributes that, that make it easier for us to do the act of innovating. Um, and I think when you look at those who we describe as innovators, there's some who you can really jump out to. You say, well, that, that, that guy's an innovator. She, she's a natural-born innovator. Some of those attributes are there, and I think the attributes, um, you have to be creative, you have to be somewhat imaginative, but you got to be intellectually curious. And I think if there's something that um, I think that sparked in me, I've always been somewhat intellectually curious, understanding what else is out there um, and not being one who, who really likes to stand by for the status quo. But I'll tell you, you asked me about a time when it really struck me. About seven years ago, I came onto the air staff um, for my first time, and then uh, Chief of Staff General Welsh asked me to put together with him a strategic vision document. I think it's still on the portal if you look. It's called A Call mm -hmm. to the Future. And as I was researching that, what, what we really were thinking about is for the Air Force of the future, what we needed to be, one of the key statements in there was the biggest threat to our Air Force is the inability to adapt and respond faster than our adversaries. Yeah. And I think seven years later, yeah. that, that's still proven to be true. So to me, that's when it really gripped me that innovation and finding new ways to doing things was not just a good idea and was not just satisfying individually, but it sort of was a, an organizational and a mission imperative. Yeah, yeah. That, that's so interesting you say that because I – I, as you mentioned, you know, innovation maybe isn't something a specific person does, but the capability everybody has. Um, I feel like there's times that maybe even beforehand I didn't consider myself having that ability or maybe others didn't consider themselves having this ability because we felt like, man, I'm not sure I fit in the mold of that. Uh, and, 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 and how is there a space for me to be able to do that? And I know this has been one of the intentional efforts of, of mainstreaming innovation instead of it being something that's a side project. So how, going into that, you know, how do you see the Air Force's progress in mainstreaming what innovation is and what that looks like uh, as an inherent part of what we do as a force? Well, first of all, um, I love that phrase that you just said. It's interesting because it's all—it's almost oxymoronic, and that <laughs> mainstreaming innovation. But that sounds worse when I say it. But it, it almost is like an oxymoron. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah. it really is what we have to do, because when people think of when they imagine innovation, it's one of those outside of the box thinking or those sort of things that we, we attribute to sort of one-offs mm -hmm. that we're occasionally surprised and happy to see on our way to go going back to our normal business. Yeah. But to transition the mindset, the culture of innovation into our main business is really mainstreaming. I, I actually love that phrase. Um, I, think, I think we're on a decent path, and here's, and, and here's why I say that. If I look back about a half a decade ago, uh, then Secretary Wilson had a, a great vice chief of staff named General Wilson uh, working mm -hmm. for it, and, and – uh, she really pushed out trying to take this idea of innovation and really put enough energy behind it so it wasn't seen as just a one-off. And I think that's when you saw the acceleration of these things like airman power uh, innovation and when you see the emergence of things like spark tanks and those things really start to take shape in the last few years. Yeah. But I would categorize that phase or that segment of our journey as really energizing the, the population, right? Yeah. Being, letting airmen that we are really serious about wanting your ideas. And I think um, through those years, we've done a pretty good job about building the credibility, about giving some voice to the airmen. Mm -hmm. um, but 
always going to be a challenge when you're doing that in a big, large, bureaucratic, structured organization. So I think we've come to a point right now where we have we have matured the ecosystem to where the airmen now believe us. Yeah. They believe that we're ready to them, which means we're at an inflection point right now where we, as an institution, have to deliver on that. So I think we've we've come to the point where there's a lot of activity, a lot of of, uh, of stock being put into this by our airmen, and we're at a key inflection point now where we have to harness that and focus it, and that's how we're going to really mainstream innovation. Because if we if we leave the innovation ecosystem as it is to survive on its own oxygen without yeah. having the entire enterprise support it, I, I fear that we're it's not it's not going to reach its potential, and we're not going to accelerate the change we need. Yeah. You know, as you talk about that, of being able to take it to the, the, continue getting it to be not just mainstream, but getting it the oxygen that it needs, the the breath that it needs to be able to have that space. Um, I've heard the term, and and personally, I I kind of despise it, honestly, but it's innovation theater. The people say, you know, there's a lot of talking about it, but, and as you've been working on it, working towards it, um, people, not, not that they get worn down, but it's, it's maybe they see it from the, from a perspective that isn't what the intent is for innovation. So when you think about just the simplicity of innovation, because you talked about kind of the origins of it, when you think of innovation, when you're talking about bringing that to mainstream, uh, the mainstream of the Air Force and, and not have it be something we talk about, but instead the inherent culture that we have, what, what does that look like to you in the sense of what that innovation is? Just what is in General Alvin's mind when you think of innovation? What's the thing that comes to your mind that you want the airmen to know? Well, first of all, I'll tell you, I, I hadn't heard as much that term innovation theater, but I had the same visceral reaction when I just heard you say it. To me, yeah. to me it's almost <laughs> to me as, as much as, oh, you uh, you're, might be just innovate, innovation for innovation's sake. Yeah. I don't know what that means because to me that's a fundamental misunderstanding because we, we don't innovate to make things worse. I, I don't <laughs> suddenly come up with I mean, I'm an innovative ideas as to how to really – process up and, and, and make us less effective. Innovation, you know, it, it's generated out of this idea that we can make things better, right. that there is um, a way of doing what, what I do right now, what you do right now, what every airman does right now, that they can look at it and say, I think I have a better way. Yeah. So to me, whether it's this continuous process improvement, that belongs in the universe of innovation to me. Disruptive mm-hmm. innovation, uh, absolutely. I love the name of your podcast. But there's all different levels of innovation, but it, at its core, it's understanding that where we used to sort of solve problems and, and seek precision in the answer. And then after we did precision, we would do rigor and repetition, and it becomes very robotic, and we do it over and yeah. over again. And then you get sort of stuck in that. This idea of doing things with an innovative spirit means we're always in a three-point stance. Man, we're always agile. We're always on the balls of our feet, ready to bounce and ready to, to take on this idea right now and take it as far as it can go, but not be wedded to the process, to the to the to what we've done in the past, but always looking for new ways to get to the result that we see. That, to me, that's the spirit of innovation that's with us, and that is the inflection point that we're at, I think, in getting out of that, that great industrial age, uh, you know, really perfection of the industrial age, uh, piece and getting into the less comfortable, being comfortable yeah. in our discomfort and moving on to being comfortable with agility, good enough for now and ready to change to make it better tomorrow. 
I, I have never heard, I have never heard that example used as the three point stance leaning forward. As I played football and rugby, I, I this is this is probably one of the best examples I've ever heard because I remember I remember my coach telling me, listen, if you put all of your weight on your hands, somebody's going to knock you over. You have to be in a stance that's ready to take action, ready to move forward, ready to take the opportunity that's there. So that's a phenomenal example because you're absolutely right. It's there's a difference between standing up. And, and just kind of living living life as it is, as we see the problems around us, there's a difference between that and leaning forward and being ready to move out as opportunity uh, engages itself or as the opportunity is there for us. That's a great example. Yeah. Well, I, I also think that there's a difference between precision and accuracy. Yeah. And I will tell you that in, as we went through the, the latter part of the 20th century, we were able to get away with that uh, mixing of those two terms because we largely were able to predict better into the future, but as the pace of change increases, we're more and more at risk uh, for the consequences of miscalculating when we confuse precision for accuracy, because we can measure things in ways we never have before. Yeah. But if we are unwilling to accept the idea that we may be wrong and we need to solve for agility rather than precision, uh, that could end up biting us in the back end. Wow, that's that's a phenomenal point. Do you have when you think about that? You know, at the, I'd say at the operator level, because at the operator level, when you talk about what what would that look like? You know, what would be an indicator that we're spending so much time on precision that we're that we're missing the real opportunity of being able to be agile? Is there anything that comes to mind where you say, yeah, he, you know, here's an example of what that looks like to me? Well, I mean, at this classification level, I can't give you much in detail, but as I look at some of our operational plans, our operational plans um, have these uh, assumptions built in to them yeah. about how we're yeah. going to deploy the force, employ the force, sustain the force, that um, have within them a, a, a level of rigor as to the precision that lets one fall into a comfort zone and go, okay, I think we got this down right yeah. because I can tell you to the 10th decimal place um, about when that's going to get there or, or what the probability of a kill is with this. But it doesn't take into account the different ways that adversaries can disrupt it, the ways that you know life gets in the way and your ability to what if you're wrong uh, to be able to springboard from that. that. That's what makes a better plan in the 21st century than in the 20th century. Yeah. Example. Yeah. Well, no, that, that is absolutely a great example. A great example. You know, so we're, we're, uh, I can't even believe it. We're already halfway through disruptive AF, the opening, uh, uh, uh episode one of season two. So we're going to be right back with you here in just a second as we get ready for part two, diving into strategic versus operational. How do we balance these two things right here on disruptive AF? Be back with you just one second here on your podcast, your age of innovation. Welcome back to Disruptive AF, segment two of episode number one of our second season. I'm Kinsley Jordan, your host right here for your Edge of Innovation, Disruptive AF. I have with me uh, today the, one of the most uh, amazing opportunities to be able to talk with the Vice Chief of Staff, General David Alvin, who is, is one of the champions of innovation here in the Air Force. Sir, welcome back, segment two, as we dive into to really some of these, these intricacies and differences uh, because we know, you know, as we talk about innovation, we just talked about the the mainstreaming of innovation and what that looks like. 
oftentimes I get this question, you know, Kinsley, that's great. Innovation is awesome, but you got to understand we have a mission to do as well. Uh, and there's this tension, this, this sometimes almost palatable tension <laughs> between the mission and innovation. Yeah. How do you see this, the relationship between these two? Yeah, I, I really actually appreciate this because this is something that, to me, I see it crystal clear. I, I, I make the connection with what the airmen are doing in the innovation ecosystem with the success of the mission. It's, it's bright as day to me. So um, I, I think the challenge right now has been because not all of – I like to refer to it as the, the – uh, innovation ecosystem because I see spark tanks all around, individual spark cells. I see um, incubation areas. I see all these pockets that have brilliance that may not understand how to scale it to the entire Air Force mission. And that's why this Project Morpheus under our um, strategic studies group is is designed to, to really capture and connect and communicate across so we can figure out which of those innovations that may be done in some small back shop at, you know, Joint Base Lewis-McChord mm-hmm. that can apply across the Air Force. And so to me, there's there's a scalability of these that if we can achieve that, if we can you know, accomplish that, people will see that something that was maybe seen as just a cool idea uh, for, for one division of one squadron of one wing can actually scale across the Air Force. But that's the connection I see between these individual ideas and being able to have real, real impact across the Air Force. But I think there's also a, a pretty close connection between what we're innovating on and what we've heard uh, the Secretary and the Chief say about uh, innovation. Yeah, yeah. Is there is there uh, one more piece on, on that? Is there a, when you think about the operational mission taking place at bases, at wings, you know, in, in our numbered Air Forces, um, what does that balance look like to say, listen, you know, if we have operations going all day long, all, all day long, every day, um, what is the balance? You know, Google sometimes says, hey, they have a certain percentage of time they want to spend on innovation, but that doesn't necessarily make sense for the military. Is there a construct or way of that you think of it, of how to consistently make sure that we are pulling those creative ideas and opportunities in, kind of like you were talking about, because uh, this last spring uh, you stood up the, the Morpheus team that is within the strategic studies that I have the honor to be part of. And that was an intentional step to say, hey, we, we need something to be able to help in a new way. What does that look like? Is it a balance? Is it making sure that you, we allocate time to it? Is it just making sure that we instill the culture? What, is that, what does that relationship look like maybe at the operator level? Yeah, um, Thanks for that, Trigger. I think operationally, this becomes this is this is a responsibility of not only the airmen who are out there doing all the innovation, but this is a responsibility of our leadership. And this is what I mean by this: hmm. we have to we have to understand um, first of all which first of all which of the ideas are operationally scalable. That I already talked about. Yeah. But the connection. Yeah people have to better appreciate the connection between innovation and how we intend to fight in the future. Now, that, some people, I've mentioned that a couple of times, and I've had people sort of frown and look at me like, what are you talking about? What is this connection? <laughs> well, if, if I could, yeah. if we, and I, and I know you've read it, Trigger. I know you know doctrine better than anybody. But anyway, <laughs> the doctrine, the new doctrine, which is much simplified and much clearer, really talks about this earlier tenant that we've had for, for decades, 
and, and has put a little bit of a different wrinkle into it, talking about you know, centralized command, distributed control, and decentralized execution. Right. And what it means is, that as we envision the fight of the future, as we understand the changing character of war, and our lack of ability to really trust that we're going to have continuous, reliable communications, it means that we are going to re- have to rely on the initiative of the airmen at the edge to get the job done. Not like they have fully seen it in the book, but understanding what the mission is yeah. and how within the context of where you are in the fight, they're going to have to come up with those answers. So if we don't have airmen that are now thinking about it in a way of, I understand the mission, I may have a better way, I'm going to move that idea into action. If they aren't trained in that, if they haven't practiced that, if they haven't done the reps and sets, they're not going to be able to do it in the fight. Yeah. And oh, by the way, it's just not the airmen, it's the leadership. The leadership all has to be able to understand how you give commander's intent. How do you communicate clearly and comprehensively to those airmen what the overall objective is and let them know that they're trusted and empowered to get the mission done in the manner that they may see fit should you become disconnected from you know, pure, wow. consistent command and control, which you're not going to be. So if we anticipate the future is going to demand that of our airmen, there's an operational imperative that we all get good at the competency surrounding innovation because that's how we're going to be able to have confidence. We're going to be able to act at the edge in times that we can't anticipate because we're solving for agility, not for precision. Yeah. That's the operation. My goodness. That was pure gold, (laughs) pure gold. Because I I look, sir, I look back at my own life and I'm just, what you get with trigger is a hundred percent transparency. My, my lesson learns and failures. If somebody else can learn from them, great. But I'll be honest. Once, once I got to my uh, operational squad, it probably took a year and a half, maybe two years before I went from this place of I am doing the mission to this place of having this internal revelation of no, the I ha- I am the mission. Like I have to know and understand and comprehend from beginning to end. This is my responsibility. If nobody does it, it, I, it, it nobody else is going to do it. I have to do it. And I'll and that's right. It's embarrassing to admit that it was after having gone through pilot training, after having been doing the mission for a couple of years that my professional maturity didn't actually take place until I had that realization. There is no one else to do this. It is your responsibility to think differently about this. Well, so, so while I'm, I'm, I'm glad that um, you felt that personal responsibility, I would say, let me take a little weight off your shoulders because yeah, it's also the leadership's responsibility. We need to be better about letting our airmen know at earlier on in their career. Yeah. That that's their responsibility and providing them the context and the overall mission objectives so they can more readily leap into that and become part of the mission. Like you said, you are the mission rather than just understanding how to do your operational tasks. Yeah. So I think it's a it's something that we all have to grow into and grow our skill sets together. And that's another reason why I want to do this mainstreaming of innovation, as the chief has said, because it's not like it's distracting from the mission. It is the mission in the future. It right. is the manner in which we're going to accomplish the mission uh, in the future. Right. You know, you, you mentioned something earlier that I want to go right back to you, sir, because I think that goes hand in hand with this conversation is, is uh, you mentioned that the, the real focus of the chief of staff, General Brown and the secretary of the Air Force uh, messaging and starting to, uh, focusing on the strategic and operational imperatives 
of innovation. Would you mind explaining a little bit of, of what that is? Uh, because yeah. that's so, so important. I think, I think the, um, yeah, the operational imperative is, is really what I was just describing. So we have to, we have to get better as an institution at innovating if we are to be successful in our operations in disconnected and contested environments. Right. So that, that I right. think is the operational imperative. It's, it's not just innovating for innovation's sake. It's innovating to ensure that when we don't have those peer communications, we can still, that the airmen have the commander's intent, the commanders have, have very clearly and comprehensively relayed that to them, and everyone knows what the end objective is. And when you're disconnected, people know that they have the trust and the empowerment to do it in the manner in which they see fit. And that's, that's why I think the operational imperative is there. And if we don't practice it, we're not going to be any good at it. The strategic imperative, I, I think, is, is really we've heard our, our, uh, our new sector, Sector Kendall, come in. And I think he's really he's put a sharper focus on what we had all been working towards. We, mm-hmm. We've ca- called it great power competition and strategic competition. And he's come out publicly and said it's China. And I think our, our, our national defense strategy and our future direction shows that that's, that's pretty clear. Now, yeah. here's the thing. We talk about sustaining and maybe regaining in some areas our areas of competitive advantage. We, we're, we're a little bit behind in some areas, and we are not going to be able to buy our way out of this. We are not going to be able to procure and develop all the high-end capabilities in a timely manner because we have, we have fiscal challenges, as have all of the, you know, the generations before us. But we're not just going to be able to buy our way out of this. Mm-hmm. We're not just going to be able to purely innovate our way out of this either. We're going to have to use every tool that we have as fast as we can to level that bubble as soon as we can and to get even further ahead in the areas that we are ahead and to catch up where we might be behind. So it is an all-hands-on-deck piece. So the strategic imperative is wow. it's not just developing more capabilities. It's developing better concepts. So this Viper kit thing that the team out of Spangdalm came up with and now it's proliferating, that's helping us do agile combat employment Yeah. for those operational yeah. things. The, the, the ability to be able to keep the weapon systems in the fight and that airmen, the, uh, the innovation that the airmen are coming up with with respect to not only the capability improvements but the process improvements, organizational, intellectual, all hands on deck have to be there to apply in this strategic competition with China. So that's why innovation is a part of this as well. So there, there's both a strategic and an operational requirement and imperative for innovation. It's not just something to show the airmen that we love them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, that, and that's yeah. why if we don't yeah. understand that, if we don't grip the fact that this innovation is an imperative as part of our force going forward, then I think we're really missing an opportunity here. And the stakes are pretty high. The chief has laid out the stakes. The secretary has laid out the stakes. So the idea that we would poo-poo innovation, I think, is a little bit uh, as wrong-headed. And if we understand that innovation needs to be a part of our future, how do we best integrate it and scale it? I think we'll all be that much better for it. Yeah. Wow. That is uh, the the ownership required in that. Again, I think we've heard innovation talked about so many different ways, so many different times. But the clarity that that brings of those those imperatives that you're talking about with the strategic of why we must do this and the operational of how we're going to how we're going to do this and how we go about doing this. Uh, to me, that brings that kind of going back to the, the ownership of saying, listen, I do have the responsibility of finding how best we can do this and identifying what those barriers are and how to be able to go about working through barriers or challenges that would prevent us from carrying out 
those uh, those imperatives at the strategic and operational level. Uh, along those, yeah. go ahead, sir. No, I was going to say that's right, and I think the the one thing that we also need to communicate to our airmen is that um, we we also need to be I don't want to say selective because we want to have all ideas heard, but we may be pushing towards more focus and drive in in specific directions into the future. I don't know what that would be specifically, but if we're going to harness this energy, actually focus, focusing it in a direction that will help us the most, and I'm not going to sort of lay those out right here because I, I can't give it with any specificity, but not every airman idea, even though it's a good idea, is going to make it all, make it all the way, but we're going to have to look at the bandwidth and the capacity that we have as we get better as an institution. But looking at those airman innovative ideas that can really move the needle those are probably the ones that get the most ink in the in the coming months and, and years over. Yeah. Yes, sir. That, yeah, that makes that makes absolutely total sense. And, and I think there's an important piece to remember about that is that just what you said at the very beginning, we don't know those ideas until we bring them to the table and look at them, assess them, give them a shot and say, nah, here's here's the priorities out of all of these ones on the table. But th- that that requires us to bring those ideas. <laughs> that inqu- requires right. us to be part right. of that process. Uh, because if not, those ideas, those opportunities may be completely lost, and that very well may have been the tool that could have changed a lot of things. Exactly. So, exactly. so uh, sir, when, uh, when we're talking about, because a lot of our listeners, senior airmen, CGOs, FGOs, I mean, uh, w- this season we're really focusing on communicating not only the senior leadership message, but communicating uh, the, the, um, the, the good and some of the challenges and the growth that have ha- been happening at the grassroots organic perspective. You mentioned the operational imperative. Um, you know, at the senior airman level, at the captain level, at the, as the SGO, those who are doing this, is there a specific message that if you could deliver to them and say, listen, I need you to hone in and I need you to do this, what would that be in regards to that operational imperative mindset? Well, I would say the first thing is not to hold back any ideas. Because there are some things specific to doing your individual mission that nobody knows better than you. But there may be ideas that you have that can proliferate far beyond what you even realize. So to those, the the junior airmen and the CGOs, I would say keep pushing those ideas for how to improve what you know best. You are honing your operational and technical talent right now. That's part one. But part two, be inquisitive. Have this intellectual curiosity to be able to make the links and, and ask, ask your leadership, uh, get into, stay engaged in what the Air Force is doing and stay engaged in things you may not already, like what the heck is the national defense strategy? Um, you know, where are we going with the future fighter force as an example? But the more yeah. you're in tune with that, the better you as a junior airman and the and CGO, the better you are able to relate what you do to the future force design and, and the future operational concepts of the Air Force. So you, you as a junior airman and CGO are at the height of understanding the technical day-to-day piece. And if you understand the strategic piece in the larger geostrategic context within which you work, um, you're going to be able to have those ideas already be more focused to where they provide the most bang for the buck and move the needle. But don't stop, don't stop voicing the ideas and don't stop being intellectually curious about what else is out there and how they might connect. Those would be the two pieces of advice I think I'd give. 
That's huge. That absolutely. Well, you heard it here first, right here on Disruptive AF. That's. Uh, I think we need that. We need that time and time again. And we just had a trip, and and I, uh, I had a chance to talk to a good friend. And it's amazing that as you've, as as you're in a space of continuing to work and solve problems and work towards bringing these creative solutions, at times it's possible to get worn down and say, man, it's just a, it's a real challenge to continue moving forward. But I love what you just said, sir, is don't allow uh, the don't allow being in the process to slow you down and prevent you from continuing to bring those new good ideas. That's right. So important. Well, sir, uh, we have just a, a couple minutes left uh, with you, which has truly been a pleasure. We have one just out of left field question for you because I love to ask this because it just gets us thinking differently. You know, you, you're invited to be able to share the strategy, the senior leader perspective uh, all across the Air Force, and you get asked questions all the time. Here's the random question, <laughs> the random disruptive way of question. Uh, the often feared random question, okay? <laughs> This is where I get this is where I get shut off and I wonder why the power to my house went out. <laughs> you know, what what is the what what is the one thing you genuinely wish that people would ask you more often that you just don't have the chance to share about that you wish you could talk more about? What what is that thing? Okay, I actually got something for that. That's good. Oh, wow. That's a good question cuz I have an answer for it. Um so here's the thing. I I have got more runway behind me than I have in front of me with respect to my Air Force career and, uh, and maybe maybe with respect to my heartbeats. I don't know. I'm, I'm pushing 60. And I will tell you, I have been fascinated, nothing short of fascinated, in the last three, four years of, of looking at all the tech that is out there that is helping all the wearable tech that is helping me understand more about my physiology understand my, my, the uniqueness of me and, and help me understand how to live uh, and look into the future and think about not just lifespan but health span. What are the things, I mean, everything from Wim Hof's breathing techniques to box breathing to looking at some of the, the functional medicine about the way that we can, we can understand our biomarkers wow. and how we can individually uh, sort out our future when it comes to our health and our wellness. I, I think I've been really, really fascinated by that. I, I also look to how that might be able to translate into a, a different way um, for you, uh, you know, evaluating human performance within our Air Force. And I know the 7-Eleven uh, human performance wing up there at the right pad is doing a lot of this work, but that's fascinating to me that there's so much more. This body of ours has been functioning like it has been for, you know, eons, but we're learning more about how we can individually, you know, either biohack or find ways that we can improve our own wellness and, and go on health span beyond just lifespan. I think this is really cool, and I, I would love for more people to get into it and have a better appreciation for it. Because I think that's the next level of not only uh, performance while we're in the service, but being healthy and living longer because we're all going to take off this uniform at some point or another. So that's, that's the stuff I like to talk about as well as sort of new exciting for me that's it's so interesting you say that because last year for christmas i got a fitbit i, I didn't ask for it it was a, a gift from from my wife and apparently it was an insinuation uh, that i needed it <laughs> but I, i'm shocked that it literally it did change my perspective because i didn't know what i didn't know and once you see kind of uh, those uh, those uh, biometric markers helping you and guiding you through where you need to be and what you should be doing it was like a whole new world was open to me that was amazing 
Yeah, I'm, I'm also obsessed with, you know, numbers and tracking stuff. That's sort of a weakness of mine. So now it's just it's fed into that addiction so I can always track my trends and everything. But along the way, I really find that I can assess where I'm at during the day, during the week, and, and, and align, you know, cause with the symptom. Yeah. I'm run down. This because of X, Y, or Z. And it's just that awareness, uh, I think, holds us accountable to ourselves. And I think we'll all be happy for it two, three decades down the line, if we can improve uh, the way we're actually living our life. Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Gosh. Well, uh, General Alvin, thank you so incredibly much. I can't thank you enough for being on with us uh, here at Disruptive AF. AF. Well, we look forward to having you back uh, in the future uh, because Disruptive AF is, uh, is powered by Morpheus. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Can't thank you enough for being here with us. You bet. Take care, Trigger. Take care, sir. We'll see you in a little bit. Hey, uh, for, right. right here from Disruptive AF, thank you so much for tuning in. You heard it here uh, first, honestly. The wisdom, the knowledge, what that what that strategic imperative look like looks like, the operational impact, uh, the operational imperative. And if there's one word of encouragement today from Disruptive AF, it's easily this. Listen, keep bringing the ideas to the table because it's your duty, just like it's my duty, to help our Air Force continue to grow, help our Space Force continue to grow in that innovation mindset, bringing innovation, not as something that's on the side, but into the mainstream execution of our mission each and every day. Friends, right here from Disruptive AF, thanks for watching. Thanks for being with us, whether you're on YouTube or Google or Apple Podcasts. Make sure you listen, make sure you subscribe, and we will see you right back here for another episode on Disruptive AF, your edge of innovation. See you soon.